0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله Sallallahu lahuta Ada, Alihi waada, Alihi wa sahibi, Ubaraka wa selimet Sleeman, Kathiran, Kathira. Mabad of her old Billahim in a shaitan of regime, Smila, Hirrahman, Rahim, in the law, how Mala, Ikatahu, Yisolun, Aden, Nabiya, Yuheladina, Amen, who sell Walihi wa selimet Sleeman. Allah, who must sell Ada, Muhammad in Wada, Ali Muhammad, Kamasal, later Ada Ibrahim. Wala Ali Ibrahima in the Kahmid Majid. Allahumma Barak, Allah Mohammed in Wala Ali Muhammad Kamabarak to Ala Ibrahim, Wala Ali Ibrahima in the Kahmid Majid. Respect to listeners, recently I've spoken on the topic of the virtues of the Holy Quran, followed by the virtues of memorizing the Quran, and as promised, inshallah, today I hope to share a few thoughts about the miraculous nature of memorizing the Quran. Having spoken on the virtues of doing hifz, memorizing the Quran, and encouraging, reminding myself and others, and encouraging one another to memorise the Qur'an and retain its memorization to the best of our ability. I'd like to show how Qur'anic memorization is not as daunting a task as we may fear, and that it's within most people's grasp and reach. One of the reasons is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has miraculously made it extremely easy. Allah dhikra wa Jal says, That indeed we have revealed the dhikr. Dhikr means the Qur'an, and one can translate it or interpret the word dhikr one of the names of the Qur'an as Remembrance, Admonition, etc. So, Indeed, we have revealed the Remembrance, meaning the Qur'an. And indeed, we are surely its, and indeed, surely we are its guardians. So Allah has taken a responsibility to guard and preserve the Holy Quran and that is not by way of ink and paper and books and not even by way of digitizing the Quran rather from the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam till today Allah Azza wa has preserved the Quran in the hearts and the bosoms of his creation. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَمَا كُنْتَ تَدْلُ مِن قَبْلِهِ مِن كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكِ إِذَا لَّرْتَابِ الْمُبْطِلُونَ بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي سُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُ الْعِلْمِ <laughs> That addressing the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah said to him that before this, You were not one to read any book So you were not one to read any book before this The Prophet was unlettered He could not read or write And nor could you write with your hand If that was the case That you could have read That you could read or unwrite then then indeed those who seek falsehood, they would have surely doubted. Nay, it meaning the Qur'an, is clear verses, in the bosoms, in the hearts of those who have been granted knowledge. So the very nature of the Qur'an is to rest, not in between the covers of books and not on paper but in the hearts and bosoms of men just as it was preserved in the heart of Rasulullah when he promised him وقرآنه, that indeed it is our responsibility it is upon us to collect the Quran in your heart O Messenger of Allah and I've already explained this in detail so the whole process of preserving the integrity and the sanctity of the Qur'an has been by way of memorization from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, till today. As a result, Allah has also promised to make the Qur'an easy in many ways. So in Surah Al-Qamar, Allah azza wa repeatedly four times he tells us in verse after verse, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنِ لِلْذِكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ <مُتَّكِرًا> but Indeed, we have made the Qur'an easy for dhikr. So is there anyone who will take heed? And dhikr here again mean, can mean remembrance, admonition, taking heed. And it can also mean memorization. All of these meanings can be incorporated in the word dhikr. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Qur'an easy to be admonished and counseled by. To serve as a counsel and an advice. And Allah has also made the Qur'an easy in many ways to understand and to reflect on And Allah has also made it easy to remember and to memorise. Now I did say earlier on that I wish to show how the Qur'an is actually within the grasp and reach of most people, but not everyone. And this is the remarkable thing about the Qur'an. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to whom he wills, and Allah withholds it from whom he wills. And there are countless examples of this. And this has been the case throughout history. Even today, the Qur'an may not be the world's most published book. Or even the world's most translated book. There are other books that have that honor and prestige of being the world's most widely translated Almost widely published and distributed book. The Quran may not necessarily hold that spot. But even though it may not be the world's most published book, the world's most widely distributed <coughs> book, it by far, without peer, without parallel, without any rival, is the world's most read book. And that's no exaggeration. Across the world. And not only is it the world's most read book, it's the world's most memorised book. Now you have intelligent people who can memorise certain things. Certain things. But even then, for people to be able to memorise the Qur'an, on such a wide scale. It truly is nothing short of miraculous. And if I can just share a few thoughts with you about this, let's look at, for instance, our ability to memorise things in any language. Most people... ...do not remember their previous phone numbers. Often they they can't even remember their... ...previous postcodes. And these are six, seven letters. Even though... ...it was originally etched in memory... ...so when a person's living at a property... ...because of the frequent usage and recall of the postcode, for instance, it becomes second nature, as well as a phone. But give it some time, and one forgets even one's own phone number, one's one's postcode, and other personal details. And that's for minor things. Let me share another example. We all have a preferred language. It's either our mother tongue, or if not the mother tongue, if not one's native family language, then it could also be the language of one's country that one has become very familiar with and fluent in. So we have our preferred language, in which we find it easy to converse, to read, to comprehend, to write. Now, if we were to take our own preferred language, it's English, and um, we, of our own accord, on our own initiative, we, of our own creativeness, we write a few sentences. It could be anything, our story, our uh, uh, a story, our thoughts, part of a diary, just a few sentences. See how easy it is to actually memorise those few sentences. In our preferred language. In our most familiar language. And these aren't someone else's words. These are our own words. A product of our mind. And see how easy it is to actually memorise those sentences. It may not be very easy. Two even if someone, by swatting, does manage to memorise them. Periodically, go back and check and see how well one has retained the memory of these sentences. For most people, on most occasions, they won't be able to memorise these words verbatim And even if they do manage to memorise them, they won't be able to retain them or recall them at leisure or with ease. And that's true for most people. Even artists, pop artists, singers. I give this example because it's contemporary and we may be able to relate to it. because we see it, we hear about it, we read about it pop artists and various other performers, they at times compose their own songs, or they have them written for them. But in collaboration with the writers, or even if they've written them themselves, these artists memorise and rehearse these verses. And before they actually produce a recording, they have to go through so many trials, so many recordings, before the final edition is mastered. Yet, even these same artists who have memo- often written their own words, memorized them, rehearsed them, later when they perform live, most of them often lip sync. And it's because they may not necessarily remember their own words. And these are performers, these are artists. This is their livelihood, this is their profession. This is what they are proficient in. So, one could give many examples of people finding it extremely difficult, normally, to memorise. Now, of course, we do have various examples, but these are exceptions. So, you have individuals who make it a hobby, or even an actual profession and a performance, to memorise things so they turn it into an art form and they perform so they'll perform on stage by memorising names or lists but there are tricks and techniques to do this and they fine tune their skills, they hone their skills they devote their time and energy to this, either as by way of a hobby or an actual profession. And therefore, they are the clear exceptions. And yet, when people watch them, and people observe them performing feats of memorization, they appear to be all the more remarkable and astounding. But they are exceptions. Most people, in the clear majority of cases, find it extremely difficult to memorise anything and actually retain that memorisation and be able to recall things. Even in their chosen preferred languages, even if these are their own words. Now in contrast, I'm sure we've all had to memorise something in school, at work, college, university, in childhood. And they say in childhood it's much easier, and you can remember a lot from one's childhood. And yet, how much do we actually remember of tables, of rules, of works that we were made to memorize? Yet, in contrast to all of this, when it comes to the Holy Qur'an, There are feats of memorization displayed by individuals, men, women, young and old, even children all across the world, and truly remarkable feats. You have children all over the world. We're not even talking about adults, but children. Like in this country, we may have an impression that these children who memorize the Quran, they are pressured, they are no good at anything else, and their energy, their time, their strength, and their ability and skills are all diverted to just one thing. And as a result, they suffer in other ways. So because they are memorised in the Quran, let's say in the maktab or the kuttab, in the evening classes that we have in our masajid, because they are memorised in the Quran there, this takes up all of their time and energy, consumes them, distracts them from other things, as a result of which they are withdrawn, they are lonely, silent, swatting all the time, they lack social skills, they lack friends, and quite uh, to their detriment, they even suffer in their other studies, especially at school. But nothing could be further from the truth. We see children around us all the time. And it's remarkable, they are no different to other children, so in their social skills, in their social, social communication. They play just like and just as much as any other child. They, they watch their TV, they play on their games consoles, they socialize with children of the family, friends and acquaintances, they do everything normally. And at the same time, they devote some of their time to memorizing the Qur'an and Remarkably, they also do exceptionally well at school. So how is it possible for someone to be normal in every other way and yet still be able to memorise the Qur'an? And we're not talking about a few words, a few sentences. The clear majority of children across the world who memorise the Qur'an do not speak a word of Arabic. They do not understand a word of Arabic. So in a language that they do not understand, as I explained, we find it difficult to memorise a few sentences. And even if we do manage it, to actually retain the memory of those few sentences. Even short-term, let alone medium to long-term. In a language that is of our choice, words in, uh, of words that are our own. And that we can fully understand and comprehend. And not only that, but these words are the product of our mind. And in contrast to this, you have children across the world who are non-native Arabic speakers, who don't understand a word of Arabic, a word. And yet, playfully, they are able to memorise not a few sentences, not a few paragraphs, not just one or two pages, but over 800 pages of a book from cover to cover. Almost 80,000 words almost 80,000 words in a totally foreign language. And they are able to memorise these words quite easily, relatively easily. They are able to retain the memory of these words not only short term but even in long term. And in the clear majority of cases most people are able to retain their hiv, their memorization of the Qur'an from childhood all the way till death. one hears countless stories of people on their deathbed reciting Qur'an. People who have been in a coma, they are in a coma. And whilst being in a coma, some people, they speak. They speak gibberish. Others, they make random comments or recall random names in their coma, in their unconsciousness. And yet there are clear videos available of people in in hospital, on a hospital bed, with all the medical equipment around them, surrounded by doctors and nurses. And this isn't easy to fake. And the person's in a coma and has been in a coma for some time, and yet is fluently, clearly, and melodiously reciting the Holy Qur'an without pause, without interruption and without error. People recite it continuously on their deathbed, in their coma. So children who are unable to understand a word are able to memorize the whole book and retain that for the rest of their lives. Now, these are normal children of varying levels of intelligence. But when it comes to... That in itself is a miracle because it's so widespread on such a wide scale. But then the even more remarkable thing is when you have children who are academically challenged, they are unable to do much else. Yet when it comes to the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them. Now there are so many examples, I don't wish to identify individuals, but to give you just some examples that I individually and personally am familiar with. So I actually know these individuals personally. I know a number of people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to whom he wills and Allah withholds from whom he wills. And there are are a number of individuals who are academically challenged in other ways. So during their days of study, they would find it very difficult to understand or learn other topics They would regularly fail in their exams. They found it difficult to recall things we're not even talking about memorization. Of course, they found it difficult to memorize things like lists or vocabulary or names or various other things or text, let alone text. But even in terms of just reading and comprehension, they, they would struggle. And they still do struggle in many ways. It's Allah's qadr. Allah gives to whom he wills. Allah withholds from whom he wills. And yet, in total contrast to their struggle and the difficulties that they would experience with learning anything else. When it came to the Qur'an, these individuals were able to stand in salah and recite from the beginning of the Qur'an all the way till the end. Maybe not in one sitting, but sometimes, and I've witnessed this myself, standing up in salah reciting 10 out of the 30 juz of the Qur'an. In two raka'at. So in each rak'ah five juz. Second rak'ah five juz. Five parts out of the 30. So in just one, two rak'ah, naful salah, they were able to recite 10 out of the 30 parts. Without pause, without hesitation, without single error. There have been individuals, again, that I know personally, who, again, it's the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they suffer a speech impediment. So they stutter and stammer. To the extent that they are socially withdrawn, not because of anything else, but because of this speech impediment. And they find it difficult to converse at length, or to even strike up a conversation, or to engage in a conversation. And they are unable to begin a sentence without stuttering and stammering. And with great difficulty, they speak with great difficulty. Yet the same individuals who, again it's the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who in a private conversation, in a private room with just one other friend, who they are familiar with, or even a family member that they've grown up with, they find it difficult to speak and to sustain a flow in the conversation. These same individuals in front of hundreds of people. I've been present when they have recited the Qur'an, not on the stage, but on the sajjad, on the Musalla, whilst leading hundreds, if not over a thousand people in prayer. And we're not just talking about Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah nas but we're talking about over many days, like in the month of Ramadan, they are able to recite the Qur'an fluently and melodiously without any pause, any hesitation, not a single stutter or stutter. I was, I know one individual, I had the opportunity of listening to his entire Qur'an over many, many days. So I listened to his whole Quran from the beginning, Suratul Fatiha, till the end. Both in Salah, so he would lead, I would be stand behind him, and outside Salah, where we would be doing other things, but I'd be listening, he'd be reading, and then we'd switch, he'd be reciting. Uh, he'd be listening, I would be reciting. And again, as I said, he suffers from a speech impediment. And yet when I listened to his entire Quran wallahi, even then I could record and remember, never once did I hear him pause or stutter all the way from Suratul Fatiha to Suratul Nas. Never once. When it comes to the Quran, people come into their own. We have there are classes in some parts of the world. Where once the children have completed their hifz, they spend a few more months, or maybe a year, year and a half or two, memori- consolidating their hifz of the Qur'an, but in different ways. So, for instance, what they do is, they, and these are non-Arabs, so they don't understand a single word, but they complete the whole Qur'an by memorization. And once they've completed the hifz, they then spend... A year, year and a half or so, continuing with their memorization, but with much more detail. So for instance, they learn the number of words, the number of letters in each surah. They learn the verse numbers and the corris- well the, the verses and the corresponding verse numbers and the surah numbers. And all these other intricate details. Then, when they are tested, they are tested in various ways. So, the examiners, again, these are feats of memory. So, the examiners will question them verse number number such and such of such and such a surah, and they'll begin reciting. Or, how many words in this particular verse? How many words in this part of the Qur'an? How many words in this particular surah? How many times has the letter ha been mentioned in this surah, sorry, in this surah or in this verse? So these kind of feats. but what at least what we can say about them is that they are trained to do that. So they do spend time actually learning all of this. So again, it's a kind of performance. It's still remarkable, but some would question as to whether it's a miracle or not, because it, they, this is what they, they are artists, they perform. It, it is very remarkable, but is it miraculous? Some would say, "Well, this is what they do. this is what they train to do." But then we're not, uh, there are many of the individuals who are not just performers or artists. And they aren't normal or intelligent and they've memorised and rehearsed all these skills. There are some individuals, Allahu Akbar. There can, what other explanation can you give? I was speaking about Quranic memorization a few months ago and after the dars a gentleman approached me and said that he was aware of someone in from his country who could not speak could not read, let alone write, and yet who had memorized the Qur'an. So he sent me the link. And I had a look because he said, this video shows all the details. And it was a news feature. And subhanallah. Now what explanation do you give to something like this? Here's a young man. His name is Ahmad, Ahmadullah. When he was born, his parents didn't detect anything untoward initially. But in terms of physical health and movement, he was fine. But as he grew older, they realised that he wasn't speaking. Not a single word. So he couldn't speak at all. And he was in his infancy by now, but yet he would not speak a single word. And he's a non-Arab. The father was extremely concerned. The whole family was, and the father took him to school and enrolled him at school. And remember, it wasn't just a question of not be him not being able to read. He would not utter a single word, even at home to his parents, to his family, not a single word. He just wouldn't speak. He was taken to school, taught, no luck. Till the age of 12, he wouldn't speak, He he could not read, let alone write. Eventually, he was enrolled at a madrasa at the age of 12, and in madrasa, the teacher taught him what we call the qa'idah. So many people will be familiar with the qa'idah, there are various names, Nurani qa'idah, Baghdadi qa'idah, Rahmani qa'idah, etc. So the qa'idah is simply the first book that a child normally studies a non-Arab child. And in there all you have are the individual letters of the Arabic alphabet and then these letters are then conjoined and you learn how to join the letters and pronounce the words. You still don't know how what the words mean, but you just are able to recognise the Arabic script and pronounce the words. Now it's very basic, it's very brief, and it's just a question of learning the alphabet. And this is known as the Qaeda, the foundation, and you have various names of the variants of these books. In some parts of the world, they are known as the Baghdadi Qaeda, or the Murani Qaeda, or Rahmani Qaeda, and various other names. So, when he was enrolled in school, sorry, in the madrasa at the age of twelve, he still wouldn't speak, and he's approximately twenty years old now. He still doesn't speak. Even now, his father says that even now, he's approximately 20 years of age, he, will not, he can sit inside the house for a month, but he will not say a word to his father or mother. He, he doesn't, or maybe he can't. He can't even ask for a glass of water, a cup of tea or food. Even when he wants food or drink, he signals emotions, but he will not utter a single word. Even now. And yet, at the age of 12, when he was enrolled at the madrasa, the teacher devoted himself to the task of teaching this young man. His name is Ahmadullah. We'll call him Ahmed. And this qaida, that teacher says that our children normally learn. Normal children, we're not talking about intelligent ones, just normal average children learn and complete the qaida that foundation booklet. It's actually not a book, it's a booklet. They complete that booklet in 15 to 20 days, are his words. And we've known children to do it in seven days, in a week, five days. So he says, Normal children complete this booklet of the Qa'idah in 15 to 20 days. He said, It took me three years to teach him. Three years. So by the end of three years, he was able to recognise the Arabic script and the conjoined words and pronounce words. But it took him three years to do what a normal child does in two weeks. Then, he was 15 now by the time he completed the qaida. Now this young man, 15 years of age, who took three years to do what a normal child does in two to three weeks... By that same teacher's admission, and who till today has not spoken a single word, he started memorizing the Quran, and he completed the hifz and the memorization of the entire Quran in one and a half years. It took him three years to do a booklet, just recognize a word, and immediately after the booklet, it took him one and a half years to memorize the Quran. Until today, he was 15, about 16 and a half when he completed the Qur'an. And today he's about 19, 20 years of age, approximately. His father says he still does not utter a single word. Even till today, he won't ask for a drink or for food. He can't speak. He can't read. He can't write. And he can't read his native tongue. Remember, he's a non-Arab, so he can't even speak or read his native tongue. He can only read the Qur'an. To the extent that if people place Arabic books in front of him, and this is remarkable, if you take an Arabic book, even one with pictures and big writing, and you show him the book, and they actually display this, the teachers are there showing him a book, of the book... He can only recognize and read those words that have occurred in the Qur'an. So you've got two pages, or one page of pictures. or and one, He can only recognize and actually pronounce those words that are in the Qur'an, even though they're all Arabic. If the word is not in the Qur'an, he can't even recognize it or read it, let alone pronounce it. There is another young man, He's an Arab, he's Iraqi. His name is Hussein Adnan al-Abdali. He was born in Fallujah in Iraq in 1983. So that makes him 34 years of age now. His story is remarkable. And again, we're not talking about normal individuals. Who are trained, taught, subhanAllah. This Hussein Adnan Al Abdali, born in Fallujah, when he was born, his parents were very concerned at birth because he wouldn't move in childhood, in in his infancy, after birth, he wouldn't move like a normal child. No sound, no movement. Of course, he would be breathing, eyes open, alert, so they knew he was conscious and alert. But hardly any movement, and no utterance, no sound. In their concern, they took him to various doctors and medical specialists in Iraq at the time. Eventually, after many tests, etc., the family was told that he suffers from a physical loss of cells in his brain. So there was physical damage to part of his brain. The doctors also told the family that there is no hope of recovery. Because he suffers from physical damage to his brain cells, there is no hope of recovery. And listen to this, Allahu Akbar. The doctors actually told the family that if he survives to adulthood, and if he is able in his childhood or even in adulthood to recognize his own name, that will be a medical miracle. They said, if he grows up to be able to hear, he will hear, but if he grows up to be able to recognize his own name, that will be a medical miracle. These were the words they used. It would be a medical miracle if he grew up to be able to recognize his own name. The father never gave up hope. And being a pious individual, this is his... Uh, uncle, meaning the, the boy's uncle, the father's brother's testimony, and other family members' testimony as well. That the father continued to make dua. And this is the uncle's testimony, family members' testimony. They say that one day his father saw Rasulullah wasallam in his dream. And since his son's condition was always on his mind, on his tongue, the father related That in the dream, I knew I was in a dream. I knew I was dreaming. And I knew that the Prophet ﷺ was in front of me. So what I wished to do is I wanted to use that opportunity to speak of my son. So I told the Prophet ﷺ that I've gone to extremes about my son, my extreme concern and... Please pray for him, whatever he must have said. And then he says that, I knew that was in my dream, and I feared that the dream would end without me being able to bring my son. So in my dream, I went to fetch my son, and I brought him before Rasulullah quickly in the hope that the dream would not end. Prophet took the son in the dream and rubbed his chest and blew over him and said a few words. The father, when he saw this dream, he was away from the family somewhere else at a distance in another city. So he contacted the family and asked them how his son was. And he said, it's fine, still the same. And gradually, though, the family saw an improvement in his condition. When he was approximately three to four years old, the family then attempted to teach him the alphabet. So he was a very difficult child. And he would rip up any books or magazines that he was given. So even learning material, uh, alphabets, pictures, magazines, books, he would actually rip up these books. The only book that he would not rip was Qur'an. He was extremely difficult as a child. The only book he would not rip up was the Qur'an. And he would hold the Qur'an and place it on his chest. And he would actually sleep, fall asleep like that with the Qur'an on his chest. As a child, three to four years old. Eventually, the family members, they realised that his condition was improving. And they realised that the medical mi- uh, prognosis did prove to be miraculous. And he, he still suffered brain damage but, and he was unable to do many of the things, even now, he's in his mid-thirties, he has learning difficulties, he's unable to do many things. In fact, he's 34 years old now, as we, as I've just mentioned. Even now, this man, Allahu Akbar, he cannot count from one to five, let alone from one to ten. He can't count from one to five. He's an Arab, so if someone asks him, count one to ten, And I'll explain this later, it's remarkable. So when he was young, the family decided to teach him the Arabic alphabet. Again, just how to join up the words. So he managed to begin recognising the Arabic letters and joining the words and reading and pronouncing them. One day, when he was approximately five years of age, his father took him to the masjid. Now, when he was young, he would obviously flick through the Qur'an pages. So he would rip up the other books, but when he came to the Qur'an, he'd hold it close to his chest, he'd cherish it. He'd also flip through the pages rapidly, rapidly, just flipping through the pages, quite randomly as well. And by that time, he had learned to recognize the alphabet and also the written words. His father took him to the masjid at the age of five, approximately. The Imam was giving a speech, and whilst he was giving a speech, the Imam mentioned a verse of the Quran, and then he said, This verse is in Surah Al Imran. So this young lad, Hussein, spoke up and said, No, it's in Surah Al Baqarah. So the Imam checked and he realized his mistake and he acknowledged it. Now everyone was shocked. The father was shocked let alone anyone else, the father was shocked. So the father questioned his son, how did you know that this verse is in Surah Al-Imran? Sorry, it's in Surah Al-Baqarah, and not in Surah Al-Imran. And the son then, at the age of approximately five, told the father, I've memorized the Qur'an. The father never knew. He's memorized the Qur'an. Now, one could say, this is a fable. Well, you can actually go on to YouTube and you can check this for yourself. He's been invited all over the Middle East to various stations, TV stations and shows. And he sits there. And even now when he is introduced, he's introduced as someone who has learning difficulties. And he sits there, and you have a panel at times questioning about the Qur'an. Nothing else, just the Qur'an. And Allahu Akbar. You see, the other children I was talking about, who are able to recall verses with their corresponding names and of the surahs and the numbers of the verses, they actually undergo training. And they are normal, intelligent, healthy children. So they train to do this. So it's remarkable, but you wouldn't exactly call it miraculous. It's very remarkable. But this young man, he's not taught, he's not trained, he has permanent physical damage to his brain, he has extreme learning difficulties. Even now in his mid-30s, he can't do anything himself. He needs the support of his family. So they do everything for him, except when he comes to the Qur'an. He can't do anything else. But when it comes to the Qur'an, he sits there like a computer. He does, with his disabilities and his mental disabilities, he is able to exhibit feats of the Qur'an that the greatest of scholars cannot do. And no exaggeration. So he has one chosen copy of the Qur'an which he's probably been reading all his life. He res- You know that other young man, Ahmedullah, that I spoke about? The one who's a non-Arab? Uh, the one who till today doesn't speak And memorized the Learn the Qa'idah in three years And the Quran memorized in one and a half That young man Till today Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Grant us the understanding And the tawfiq May he enable us to appreciate the gifts he has given us mm-hmm. Allah has given us our mental faculties Allah has given us a tongue A fluent tongue Allah has given us time and opportunity. This young man can't speak, doesn't speak at the age of 20. Yet every single, this Ahmadullah, who's a non-Arab, yet every single day he without fail spends 14 out of the 24 hours of the Qur'an, or of the day reciting Qur'an. 14 every single day. And this Hussein, Adnan, Al-Abdali, Al-Falluji, his permanent brain damage, suffers from mental disabilities, can't do anything else for himself. He's, he completes one Quran every day in five hours. In five hours. Every single day. And he's a rapid reader. And because of his learning difficulties, he still can't pronounce the words correctly. So he's an Arab, he pronounces the words, but uh, the not, they, his words aren't as fluent. In normal speech as well, as well as his recitation, they're not as fluent or as clear as a normal individual. But the feats which he displays are remarkable. He sits there, the examiners question him. And remember, this is without training, without practice, just <laughs> completely natural to him. They will mention a verse of the Qur'an from anywhere, out of the 6,000, over 6,200 verses. He'll mention a single verse. Instantly, he'll mention the name of the surah and the verse number. And he has permanent damage to his cells, and he has learning difficulties. Similarly, they'll mention a verse number. So, surah al-A'raf, verse number Eight. and instantly he'll recite the whole verse and continue reciting until you stop him. That's remarkable. Even more remarkable, since he has that copy, his own copy of the Qur'an, no markings in it, just a normal copy of the Qur'an, one of the editions. So what he does is they'll tell him, I'm opening page 431. Page 431, what's the first word at the page? And he'll mention the word and start reciting. Straight away. Page 290, read. And he'll start reciting from the top of the page. He'll just flick the pages randomly. Page 112, he'll he'll start reciting from the top. Then he'll say, okay, Hussein, pause. I'm opening page 360. Now I'm going back one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, read. And he starts reading from the top of the page, seven pages behind the num- numbered page. Twenty pages ahead, eleven pages behind. Remarkable. Then they'll examine him in the following way. And you can see and watch all of this for yourself. They'll say to him, page number 311. Not, he'll start reciting the verse from the beginning and say, no, pause. We don't want the first word. We want the last word of the first verse on the page. Then we want you to give us the last word of each subsequent verse without reciting the verse. Subhanallah. It's like he's looking at the page in front of him. And he starts mentioning, ya'lamun ta'lamun. And all he does is mention the last word of each verse, and he'll continue doing it until you tell him to stop. Again, remarkable. Even more remarkable, they'll pick up, choose a page, page five hundred and eighteen. The last verse at the bottom of the page. He'll start reciting and so say, "No, pause. We want the last word of the last verse on the page, and then we want you to go backwards. So we want you to tell us the last word." Of each verse but backwards. So he starts mentioning the examiner, and he's got the camera there, he's jumping backwards from each verse and choosing only the last word. And sometimes, even faster than he's moving, Hussein is reading the last word of each verse backwards in reverse order. Not reciting, but mentioning. And then, in between, suddenly the examiner said to him, Hussein, Count from one to ten. And wallahi, you can see the look on his face. He stares at the examiner, stumped. Totally stumped. Dumbfounded. And then the examiner repeats, Hussain, count from one to ten. And all he says in reply after a few seconds is, Haram, see the haram. Meaning haram, don't ask me that question. So the examiner says, count from one to five. He looks at him again and says, Haram. And then the examiner reveals to everyone that he actually cannot count from 1 to 5, let alone from 1 to 10. Till today, it's 34, he can't count from 1 to 5, let alone 1 to 10. He does not know the sequence of numbers from 1, 2, 3, 4. He cannot follow that sequence logically. Till today, he just cannot do it. Yet, when it comes to the Qur'an, Allahu Akbar. Now, he's on stage in the, in the studio, TV studio, in one clip. You've got some family members, you've got the examiners, you've got members of the panel, and he's sitting there. And all he does is just stares, either at the audience or sometimes stares down. Doesn't say any more than what you ask him. And all that people ask him is about the Qur'an. And then, whilst he's staring down and looking up her head, The examiner says to the family, often you can't ask him questions directly. About the Qur'an, yes, but about various other things, you normally have to go through the family. So they speak to the family member and say, ask him what he's doing now. He's just sitting there silently. So they ask him, and he says, I'm reciting the Qur'an. And then a short while later, they ask him again, what's he doing? So they ask him, I'm reciting the Qur'an. They said, how much has he recited? So whilst he was sitting in the studio... Imagine if we were sitting in the studio, brushing ourselves and looking at the camera, the audience, am I looking good? SubhanAllah. He's sitting there, they said, how much Qur'an has he recited? While sitting in the studio, whilst the panellists were talking, discussing... And the cameras were following him, and he's sitting there silently in between the questions. He completed so many pages of the Qur'an, just reading. And that's all he does, recites Qur'an. This Ahmadullah, the non-Arab speaker, who till today does not speak a word of his own language, his father says that he doesn't even ask for water or tea or food, his father's words. Nothing. He spends 14 hours every day reciting the Qur'an, learnt the booklets of the qa'idah in three years, and that was his greatest achievement. He failed everything else in school till the age of 12. And with extreme devotion from one of his teachers, who dedicated himself to, to the task, the most he achieved by the age of four, 15 was no other alphabet, no language, no reading, writing skills, not a word spoken. But the most he ever achieved was... He managed to learn the booklet of the Qa'idah in three years. And that's just the Arabic alphabet, individually and joined, conjoined. And then all of a sudden, that same young lad from the age of 15, in one and a half years, he memorizes the entire Quran. And here you have Hussein Adnan al-Abdali al-Falluji with a physical mental disability. Extreme learning difficulties. Unable to do anything else. And one thing he did say, though, that they asked him that, why don't you get married? He's not married. And why don't you get married? In one of the interviews, he said, Musiba. <laughs> And yet, with all these disabilities, not only has he memorized the Qur'an of his own accord, no teachers, no training whatsoever, but he's able to recall the Qur'an in this manner. Now, with everyone else, you could say, fine, they trained, they learn. These are feats of memory, performance. How do you explain this? And as I said, Allah gives the Qur'an to whom he wills. Allah withholds it from whom he wills. And I'll end with just one example of one of the great scholars of the Indian subcontinent, normally referred to as Al-Alamah Muhammad Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah. He was from Kashmir originally. And he then travelled and studied he was widely regarded as being a genius, truly. There are many cases of students lauding their teachers and extolling their virtues and giving them titles. But in the case of Muhammad al-Shahr Kashmiri, rahimahullah. I'll give you various examples. Iqbal the poet, the famous poet, national poet of Pakistan, Iqbal, who himself was often referred to as Allama Iqbal, he had a degree in... He had a PhD, doctor's degree, doctorate, in philosophy. And he was actually called by various European... He completed his... PhD studies in Heidelberg University in Germany. And they've even named one of the main roads after him there, uh, after Alama Iqbal in Germany, in Heidelberg, in honour of his studying and completing his doctorate in Heidelberg University in Germany. Iqbal, the poet, his area of expertise was philosophy. He was a poet as well. And his poetry was so good in Urdu and in Persian that some of his teachers and professors wrote commentaries on his poetry. Now, he, having a background and an area of expertise in philosophy, he was struck by certain philosophical questions which he could not reconcile with Islam. And he struggled with them. And he approached and corresponded with numerous scholars. But no one was able to satisfy his queries. No one. No one. Eventually, he corresponded with Allama Muhammad Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah. Without any difficulty, Alama Muhammad Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, who wasn't a philosopher, he was a scholar of religion in, in, in the normal sense, a man of the Quran and Hadith and Fiqh. He used to say, there is no topic in which I do not have an opinion. I have an opinion in every topic. Except fiqh, in fiqh, I'm a complete muqallid, I follow Imam Abu Hanifa. Now there's a reason for saying that. It's not to suggest that one just totally accepts everything. There's a background and a context to what he said, and maybe I'll explain it on another occasion as I have previously. But he used to say that I I have an opinion in every subject, in every field. But he was a man of the Quran, hadith, and fiqh. And when he correspond when he was when Iqbal the poets corresponded with him, Alama Iqbalama and Shah al Allah, was able to satisfactorily answer all of Iqbal the poet's questions regarding religion and philosophy and put all of his doubts to rest. Only one scholar was able to do that. Once he was teaching Hadith in India, and an Arab scholar visited. Now, this Arab scholar was from Egypt, and one of their most prominent scholars. And he had travelled much of the Muslim world, and as part of that travelling of the Muslim world, meeting with scholars, visiting religious and educational establishments. He visited various madaris and centers of learning throughout India. And unannounced, he he arrived at the place where Allama Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah, was teaching. So without prior notice, the management sent word to Allama Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah, that today, give your commentary of Sahih al-Bukhari. He was commenting on Sahih al-Bukhari. Give your commentary of Sahih al-Bukhari today in Arabic rather than Urdu. In honor of our guest. So, the scholar came and sat. He was unable to sit on the floor, so they put a chair for him. He sat on the chair. And Allah mam Anwar just continued teaching as normal, fluently in Arabic. It wasn't just the language. It was his mastery of the quran hadith and fiqh his command of the language of arabic and even more so more than the command of uh, his command over arabic his scholarship his expertise and his knowledge of the quran hadith and fiqh this egyptian prominent scholar who had met with and visited scholars and religious and educational establishments across the muslim world every couple of minutes, he would leap out from his chair and he would loudly exclaim, pointing to Kashmiri lam hadha By Allah, I have never seen a man like him. Then he'd sit down and Imam al Shah Al-Kashmiri would continue with his lesson of hadith. Then he'd leap out of his chair again and suddenly exclaim lam hadha By Allah, I have never seen a man like him before in my life. He true, so students often, often give titles to their teachers. But when it came to Muhammad Anwar Shah al-Kashmiri, he truly was revered by the greatest of scholars. He was considered a master and a genius, without exaggeration. And in terms of his memory, and we're speaking about memory here, in terms of his memory, he was renowned to have a photographic memory. He once appeared in a court case, a religious court case. He was summoned as an expert. And in that religious court case, without any notes, he astounded and confounded the entire courtroom, which was packed with the members of the public and journalists and scholars. And legal experts, he confounded everyone and truly astounded them without any notes, strolling to and fro in the courtroom, verbatim, quoting from obscure references, entire pages and paragraphs and passages from Arabic texts, Persian texts, Urdu texts, from books from across the Muslim world. When he would teach, at times he would say not by way of boasting but as a proclamation of the favour and blessing of Allah upon me that through his grace and bounty I am able to do this. On occasions, like he once told his students, he quoted from Fathul Qadir, which is a multi-volume commentary, Arabic commentary, by Kamaluddin Ibn Humam, rahimahullah, an a scholar of hadith actually on the al-hidayah of Imam al-Marghinani. Rahimahullah. So it's in many volumes, and he quoted an entire passage and then he said, What I have just quoted to you, I last read 36 years ago. And insha'Allah, if you go back to the original, you will discover that not a single wow is out of place. His memory was renowned. He had a prodigious memory. It's said that he could read an entire book from cover to cover and write it out again. And scholars would ask him, since he was famous for this, renowned for this, scholars would approach him. Scholars, we're not talking about normal people, scholars. And scholars would say, Hazrat we have heard about your memory. Is it true? How well can you remember a book? And he would consistently answer with the following words. He said, alhamdulillah, if I ever glance through and skim, rapid read through a book just by skimming, then I have hoped that inshallah, I will not forget it for at least 30 years. But if I ever read a book properly, Not skimming and not rapid reading, but properly, then inshallah I will never forget it for the rest of my life. And it's true. He had memorized entire books. When he spoke, he wasn't a really passionate, loud, emotional, performing, artistic speaker. There's a difference between speakers and scholars. Imam al-Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah, was such an individual that it takes an artist to appreciate art. It takes genius to recognize talent. Mediocrity never sees beyond itself. So, most people, if they would have heard him, they would have said, what's this? But when Imam al-Shah al-Kashmiri, rahimahullah, would lecture and just speak, at his feet would be Huffaz, Qurra, Ulama, And students of knowledge. And when he would speak, it would be very succinct. And it would be scattered. Not all the time, but at times his speech would be scattered. Scattered in the sense that he'd begin talking. And the name of a narrator would come up. So a hadith would come. He'd mention the hadith. And remember, he'd be able to verbatim quote the hadith. Verbatim quote the hadith. (laughs) Speaking without notes, he'd quote the hadith, he'd mention the narrators of the hadith. If someone mentioned the name of a narrator, without pause, without hesitation, impromptu, flowingly and fluently, he'd mention the biographic details of that narrator. His students, his teachers, he'd like like a computer indexing everything, he'd be able to tell which hadith this narrator was responsible for, where he's to be found in various chains. And he was able to do that. Quote, passages, pages, entire chapters, verbatim, from books of fiqh, law, philosophy, Quran, sorry, hadith, tafsir, biographies, etc. He was able to do all this. And indeed, his, his audience would be filled with scholars and students of learning. And that would be the manner of speaking. And as he said, and it is widely reported, he would not forget a single word of a book that he read properly. If you skimmed through it 30 years, if you properly read it, even just once, not memorization, just reading properly, he would never forget it for the rest of his life. Yet, yet, and this is a point I wish to get to, get to this man who is widely regarded as being a genius, having a prodigious memory, even his enemies and detractors could not fault his genius, his intelligence, his knowledge. Yet, remarkably, this man was not a half of the Qur'an. He wasn't a hafiz And people find that difficult to believe. So that I found it difficult to believe. So, I had the good fortune and honor of meeting his son, who's also passed away, Rahimullah. Mawlana Andarsha al Kashmiri. His name was Andarsha. So, I said to him, You are the most famous son of your father, you followed in his footsteps. He himself was a scholar in his own right. I said, Can you settle this for us once and for all? Was your father hafiz of the Quran We hear different scholars Scholars saying He was a hafiz of the Quran Others saying no And hardly anyone believing That he wasn't a hafiz of the Quran How can a man who was a hafiz Of the books of hadith The books of fiqh The various other books Not be a hafiz of the Quran So His son He said to us Subhanallah He said This is the ijaz of the Quran The defeating, overwhelming power of the Qur'an. That my father, who could remember everything, not forget anything. My father was not a hafiz of the Qur'an. And he went further. He actually went further. Imagine a son, he could have glossed over these details. He could have said, look, you know, respect my father. Don't question me about such matters Or, he could have just said, my father was who he was. He was a scholar, and not answer the question. Or maybe answer it indirectly. But no. Since it was to do with the Qur'an, the son, in his own scholarship and honesty, was fair, and he spoke about his father. Even going into detail, that wasn't asked for or required. And do you know what detail he gave? And this is all the more remarkable. He said... In honor of the Qur'an, the son is saying about his father, he said, not only was my father not a hafidh of the Qur'an, but he could not even recall verses of the Qur'an. So he said, it was, it was amazing to see my father sitting in a gathering, speaking fluently and flowingly without pause, hesitation or interruption about, about hadith, tafsir, fiqh, all kinds of topics. And then all of a sudden, when it came to a verse of the Qur'an or anything to do with the Qur'an, he would suddenly stop and he would say, what's that where Allah says in the Qur'an, what is it, that verse, that verse, what does he say, what does he say? And then the scholars who were at his feet, they would mention different verses. And then when he would hear the correct verse that he was thinking of, he would say, yes, that one. He would say, yes, yes. So the the son gave such detailed gave such a detailed explanation that not only was my father not a hafiz of the Quran, he could not even recall verses of the Quran, and that's the power of the Quran. It defeats and it overwhelms. That's the miraculous nature of the Quran. I give this example of Allāmān Rasāḥ Kashmirī and I'll end with this because here you have, on the one hand. Someone widely regarded as being a genius, with a prodigious memory. <coughs> Someone who, in fact, I mentioned Kamaluddin Ibn humam before. One of the scholars actually said about he, he likened him to all of these great scholars of the past And he actually used the words It rhymes That if time had preceded him In the sense that if he had come earlier in the earlier centuries min al a'yan, He would have surely been counted From the great and the most prominent individuals of the Sunnah. It was only his The qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That he was only in the last century Otherwise he was regarded as being a genius One with a prodigious memory Yet Allah in his qadr and in his wisdom Withheld the Qur'an from him To such an extent that he could not even recall the verses of the Qur'an, on the other hand. And someone may say, well, how is that? What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? shi'ra wa ma وَمَا, وما يَنْبَغِيلَهُ إِنْ illa إِلَّا wa وَقُرْآنٌ مُدِينٌ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the most eloquent individual. Yet when it came to poetry, everyone was a poet. They say that of his entire clan, Not just the Banu Hashim, but his grand clan, his sub-tribe of the Banu Abd al-Manaf, which contained thousands of individuals. They say that of the Banu Abd al-Manaf, every single individual of the sub-tribe of Banu Abd al-Manaf was a poet, with the exception of Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Everyone was a poet except Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. Not only wasn't he a poet, He could not recall poetry. He could not recite poetry. Others including children composed poetry impromptu and spontaneously. And they were able to recall poems. His wife, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha, was a great poet. And not only that, she had memorized thousands and thousands of couplets from the old Arab poets. Yet the Prophet he himself, he could not Compose poetry, nor could he recall poetry. Allah in His wisdom kept poetry away from the Prophet وسلم, to the extent that he couldn't even recall poetry. Imam Bayhiqi rahimahullah he mentions a narration in his Dala'il and uh, that once the Prophet, وسلم, when it rained, he, he prayed to Allah for rain, it rained, and he said to the audience, he said, If Abu Talib was alive his eyes would have been cooled by this sight of rain falling upon my prayer so and then the Prophet was referring to a poem and a couplet of a long poem uttered by his own uncle, Abu Talib. And that, poet, that, that couplet was Abu Talib in Makkah. He had composed a long poem when the Quraysh opposed him and the Prophet wasallam. And part of that poem was alyatama ismatan Referring to the Prophet wasallam, that he is fair of complexion. Rain is sought from the clouds through his noble countenance, his face. He is the shelter of orphans and a refuge for the widows. So Abu Talib sorry, Ali and the son of Abu Talib. Had to tell the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam It seems Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam You are referring to these words of Abu Talib So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Was unable to recall a couplet said by his own uncle about him Let alone any other poetry And Abu, Tal- Abu Talib's son Ali radiyallahu an Had to tell him that it seems you are referring to this O oh, Messenger of Allah So, why? Because Allah says, We have not taught him poetry and it is not befitting him. Allah, in His qudra and in His wisdom, to show the power of the Quran, that here was a man who couldn't compose poetry, who couldn't recite poetry, who couldn't learn or memorize other people's poetry, who couldn't recall anyone else's poetry. How could such a man suddenly come forth and produce? An overwhelming, defeating, overpowering Qur'an that silenced all the greatest of the Arab poets. Because that was a miracle. Allah in his wisdom chose to do that. In any case, I was speaking about Allah Rasha Kashmiri, Rahimullah. It's not difficult to believe that Allah gave him so much knowledge and ability in all of the fields of learning. When it came to the Holy Qur'an Allah in his wisdom And Allah in his qudrah And as part of the display of the ijaz The overwhelming, defeating power of the Qur'an Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Withheld the Qur'an from Al Shah Al-Kashmiri rahimahullah To the extent that though he was a hafidh of other books He wasn't a hafidh of the Qur'an And not only that He couldn't even recall the verses of the Qur'an And yet you have that on one hand On the other hand You have Young men like Ahmadullah of Pakistan, who is non Arab until today, he's approximately 20 years of age, cannot utter a single word, not even to ask for a glass of water by the testimony of his family. Yet, he memorized the entire Quran in one and a half years, even though he can't read anything else. And then you have Hussein Adnan al Abdali al Falluji, who who suffers a physical. Defects in his brain cells, is challenged, and has learning difficulties, extreme. But it's like a supercomputer when it comes to the Holy Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholds the Qur'an from whom he wishes. Allah azza gives the Qur'an to whom he wishes. And we're not just talking about ability to read or understand. We're talking about ability to memorize and download the Qur'an to one's heart. That is the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand. May Allah make us amongst those who are gifted with the unique opportunity and the ability to memorize words of the Holy Quran. For as is mentioned in the hadith Bama Ahmad ibn in his Musnad and by others, on that it will be said to the keeper of the Quran on the day of judgment, read and rise. For indeed your grade, your station, is by the final verse that you will read, and read as you would read in the world. For indeed your station is by the final verse that you shall read. May Allah mm-hmm. enable us to be to memorize the Quran in its entirety, so that we may be included amongst those to whom it said, Read and rise, and that our station will be with the words Anas at the end. صلى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك.